We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Cool, dude. You got to move on. Sorry. I know that's insensitive, but because your parents got divorced at a young age doesn't mean you can come on my back and just leave. What up, guys? Welcome back to Don't Tell Mom. My name is Hannah Dickinson, and I'm leaving Los Angeles, going back to New York, baby. LA is just really dead right now, and I don't have a car, so I've just been sitting in this pool house with crickets and cockroaches, and in order to deal with it, I've just been taking a ton of mushrooms, because if I'm on enough mushrooms, cockroaches aren't disgusting. They're my friends. So yeah, I kind of think I need to leave Los Angeles before I start growing out dreads and playing the bongos. Like, I'm a full-blown hippie. I just miss New York. It's the city that never sleeps, where my anxiety thrives. I just really miss hearing drunk girls yell at their boyfriends right outside my window. Anyway, I know I've been in LA too long because I met with an astrologist this week. Well, actually, we didn't meet. It's all over Instagram DM, which is very weird. I had to PayPal him in euros, and then he sent me my astrology reading all over Instagram DM. And at first, I thought it was very sketchy because my friend told me to do it. And I was like, I don't know. It's weird to like send in euros, and it's all over Instagram. It just doesn't really feel that legit. And she was like, no, all the celebrities do it, which is never a great rationale for anything. Like, a lot of celebrities join Scientology. A lot of them join Nexium, which is that sex cult that has that docuseries on HBO now. A lot of celebrities do heroin. You know, it doesn't mean it's a good idea. But I do like astrology and I do like psychics just because it's a form of therapy, knowing that I have a purpose in life or something to look forward to. So even if I don't feel great right now, I know things will get better. It's just really therapeutic to be like, oh, okay, my career is going to take off in 2023, which is what he said. So please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. That's good. If you don't like this podcast, 
don't leave a review at all and you can just leave now i guess but yeah success is coming to me in 2023 according to this astrologist so you know three more years of sitting on my fucking booty but yeah he told me this astrologist told me that i was gonna get married twice which is two more times than i thought so pretty excited about that he also said i was gonna marry an older man so i don't know if i'm gonna get divorced or if this guy's gonna die because he's so old but excited about the possibilities there being a widow would be pretty chic all I gave the astrologist was my birthday, time of birth, and the city I was born in. And he told me about my career, my health, my love life. I also gave him the birthday and city of birth of the guy who I've been upset about. I know I've talked about him a lot on this podcast. And this astrologist was like, you need to move on while you are compatible and you could get married. He's in my son ring of marriage, whatever the fuck that means. You know, he's in my orbit, whatever. I don't even know what that means. But this guy, what he's looking for is a woman to fully take care of him and clean the house. And that's why it's never going to work because what he wants from a woman, you don't want to give. And I was like, whoa, that's kind of been an issue. This guy is very needy and I'm not, not that I'm a bad person. I just... I'm not going to give my life up for a dude. In the words of Cardi B, you know, I don't cook, I don't clean. So it would never work. So basically I paid an astrologist to tell me what I already knew about that sitch, but it's kind of nice hearing it come from a stranger. It's not written in the stars. We're not meant to be. And I'm very excited about meeting an older man, if I'm going to be honest. And I actually am going on a date this week. And I know I've talked about being celibate, but uh, my friend sent me up with this guy who is older, so who knows? This could be my husband that dies. Let's keep our fingers crossed. His name is Scotty Bobby. He goes by Scott, but I think Scotty Bobby is more appropriate for a guy who wears a gold chain. And he's pretty funny over text, so I'm really excited about it. Uh, I imagine next week on this podcast, I'll be bitching about him and be like, he sucks, but I think right now he's very funny over text, and his job title is Investor which means he has rich parents. So I'm pretty pumped about it. Anyway, uh, my guest today, very funny comedian, Erica Spera. She has a podcast called Shooters Gotta Shoot. I actually met her, we've met a while ago, but recently, you know, she's been really supportive and helpful with my herpes sitch. Again, I know I talk about herpes a lot. I know I talk about that guy a lot. But we're in quarantine. All I have is herpes and a guy that doesn't like me. Come on. But... Let's get into it. It was funny that you texted me, are you okay with talking about herpes? Because literally, I feel like I've talked about herpes so much, the listeners know what mine looks like. Not just what herpes look like, what mine personally looks like. Well, I didn't, uh, you know, I never know, I'm not sure. Or obviously we like, with any guests, just uh, send them like questions ahead of time a little bit to be like, hey, are these cool? And if it's too personal, like, just let us know. Yeah, sorry, I didn't really do that for you, my bad. <laughs> But I didn't know if I could talk about the herpes support group with you because Erica invited me to a herpes support group, which was really nice. But I didn't know if we could talk about it because with AA, you're not really supposed to talk about it. Because if it doesn't work for you, you don't want to discourage other people from joining if they think they have a problem, which I totally understand. So I wasn't sure if we could talk about this herpes support group, but I thought it was really helpful just to hear about other people's experiences with herpes. It's just nice to talk to people who are going through the same thing. But I will say it did make me a little depressed and I don't mean to be disrespectful, like I really appreciate you inviting me. But there's a part of me that with AA, you're like, oh, my life could get better. Like things can improve if I stop drinking. But with herpes, it's kind of like, this is your life now. You kind of have it. So it's not going well. There's not a lot you can do. And I also, the girl, one girl was talking about how she 
tells guys on the fifth date and she gets rejected a lot and i thought she looked so much like me i was like oh shit am i like looking into a future mirror it's like a combo of both because sometimes you're sad about it and a little miserable and it's like misery loves company right because it sucks sometimes when you're miserable and you talk to someone that doesn't have it and whatever they say is like trying to like cheer you up and you're like I'm not in the mood for this right now. But then at the same time, it's like sometimes talking about it will kind of get you in your head and in your feelings a little bit. Because the week before I did um, a different podcast and she had just great yeah. questions. And But afterwards, I was like in a bit of a mental spiral because I had that feeling again of like, yeah, so when's this like not going to be a thing anymore? <laughs> you know, but you yeah. just feel like it's going to be around forever as like a problem that that's when it's tough, I guess. Honestly, what made me feel better is that one woman who was so depressed about her cold sores, and obviously I feel bad she's depressed, but it proved that herpes affects you mentally because in my mind, I was sitting there like, why are you in this support group for cold sores? Everybody has cold sores on their mouth. I don't. I will say I do not have them, but a lot of people have cold sores, so I've never thought of that as a thing, but this woman was saying she didn't want to date anyone because she was afraid to tell them before she kissed them. And she was really broken up about it. And I was like, wow, we all have our own opinions of what's acceptable and what's not. And so hearing her made me realize that maybe it's not that big of a deal. And maybe I'm just giving into the stigma. And we've had men like that too, where we're like, you actually kind of don't even have to tell anybody because everybody has cold sores and no one freaks out about that. And they still would be like too freaked out to even tell someone. See, that's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Because cold sores, I feel like, is what's understood by the world. Is they're like, oh, if you have a cold sore and you kiss someone with a cold sore, you <laughs> give it to them. But it's not looked at as this, like, scarlet letter label. No one, like, blames you for it. Everyone knows, like, it doesn't damage your health. But then there's something about when we call it herpes or it's the same exact thing vaginally that people freak out about it. Because I think it just has the label of STD and we all just know STD and incurable. So we're like, nope, I don't want that in my life, you know? Exactly. And that's why when this woman said that cold sores make her depressed, I was like, wow, I really need to start rethinking how I think of my own herpes. I'm treating my herpes like the end of the world. She's treating her cold sores like the end of the world. And in reality, they're both not. It's just really how you frame it. That's how I've kind of learned to tell people is I'll just be like, hey, you know, I just got to let you know I have herpes because I have type one. I'm like, it's type one. I was like, which is basically what cold sores are. I was like, but I just have it. Like I got it on my vagina. And then I just say, I've had it for four years. I've only had one outbreak. I've never given it to anybody. And for the most part, that has worked. Yeah, but you got the good kind. It took me four years to get the spiel down that I'm not as afraid to tell someone as I used to be, but it's still scary when I have to do it. Yeah, when I think about trying to tell a guy that I have it, it makes me go into a full-blown panic attack. So I really don't plan on sleeping with anyone anytime soon. Yeah, sometimes you just kind of get used to just doing your own thing and not even dating at all, and then it's not on your mind. And then it's the minute someone piques your interest, you're like, shit, <laughs> I gotta tell them this thing. Have you ever told someone and they were like, I have it too? No, but we, in a group joke, we always say, that's the dream. <laughs> like, that's like the thing we're all, we all like hope for secretly. It's just like, oh, I have to tell you something, I have herpes. And if they're like, oh, me too. But What's weird is when that happens, though, if it ever does, your brain's like, hold on, were you going to tell me? That's what my friend said. Best case scenario, you tell a guy and he says me too. But then I'm like, wait, were you just not going to tell me? Were you just going to be one big fucking piece of shit and give it to me? Well, yeah, if it's in the terms of like, we're, we're about to have sex and I stop it and tell you, 
and I didn't see any signs of you stopping things, it very much feels like, oh, you were not going to tell me. Whereas, like, I guess if I brought it up, like, third date or I called you out of nowhere and kind of was just like, oh, I, you know, just want to give a heads up before we, like, hang out again if this is a deal breaker. That's very much like, who knows if they were going to tell you when they were going to tell you. But, like, right before sex, like, clothes are off and you bring it up. It's like, yeah, I think you were just going to skip this over. Yeah, what, you're just going to hope for the best and pray that I don't text you. <laughs> guys already pray that I don't text them. But I did think it was interesting that there weren't a lot of guys at the meeting. There was like one guy. And I'm like, is it because hot guys don't get tested? It was just the one you went to. It's usually 50-50. Oh, really? Yeah. The one I went to originally four years ago was all women specifically. It was, it was female only. And I did like it, but I was very curious the whole time of like, we would seem to have the same kind of struggles. And I, would, I was like the whole time, like, I would love to hear from men that have this. And do they even struggle with it? Do they even feel pressure to tell people? Are they hot? <laughs> um, which they do. So it's kind of refreshing to hear from men when they are in group that they also sit there kind of struggling with it. But the thing I've found is men have the relationship card, like, in all different types of scenarios. So ours is just herpes. But, like, if a man tells a woman that he's gone on a date with, like, hey, I have this thing. It's not a big deal. Most women won't say no very quickly. They'll be like, let me see where this goes. Like, if I really like this guy, I'll be okay with it. Whereas most men, if you drop the herpes thing too soon, they're not emotionally invested at all, that they'll just bounce. That they're like, yeah, I'm not going to risk this just to fuck. Which, I mean, I would feel the same way if I didn't have herpes, to be honest, you know, so. Fucking hell no, dude. I don't blame people for not wanting it. I mean, I was devastated when I got it. And I don't want to get too sad here, but... I told my friend it really sucks to have this because I feel like my entire work to guys is just sex and that's what it's been for a while and now I can't even give them that and I feel so useless. And that's one of my darkest thoughts I've had. I don't value myself on sex, like I'm terrible at blowjobs, but it does feel like I have less value. I was gonna say, you just feel like it's taken away from you. You're like, oh, I can't just randomly hook up with people anymore if I wanted to. Even if you're someone that you're like, I didn't even do it that much. It's like, no, but I like having the option. And the thing is, you technically still have the option. Like you still could, you know, but I think a lot of times we just feel too guilty that we can't, we can't pull that trigger, you know. I guess that's also the other minor silver lining of getting herpes is that I realize I'm not a total piece of shit because I wouldn't just give it to someone. And I know that if you're not having an outbreak and you're using condoms and I'm on Valtrex every day, the chances are very small, but especially within these first couple of years, I'm just going to feel too bad. And there's no guy worth feeling guilty over. Yeah, you actually are also more likely to give it to someone the more recently you got it. So it's like the longer you have it, the less likely you are to have an outbreak. God, I should have got herpes at 12 when I had the chance. But I think also part of it is knowing you'll know your body you'll like see signs if you are going to have more outbreaks but i mean it's funny you said the piece of shit thing because i'm like i have hooked up with people and not said anything and if anything i felt guilty about how i didn't feel guilty does that make sense (laughs) totally and i think it partly comes from that using thing like you said where i'm like well that guy didn't care about me didn't care to ask me really many questions about myself you know because sexual health is Technically, the responsibility of both people involved. Oh, completely. The guy who gave it to me before we slept together, I asked him if he had anything. Before you had sex, right? I had the same thing. Yeah. Because that's a completely normal question and a question everyone should be asking. But I had a friend who was like, it's really not your fault you got it. I can't even believe you asked. I would never ask a guy that. I'm like, you would never ask a guy if he had an STD? Like, never? Never. 
Yeah, you're the bigger psychopath for just raw-dogging across the states, just big pimping all over the world. Dude, even with condoms, I was asking. But that's, it's crazy to me, people that will raw-dog, and I'm like, you don't even, you don't even want to, like, see if you ask them and they hesitate, or there's, like, just a bad vibe you get where you're like, I think they're lying. <laughs> like, yeah, I have one friend who was like, ever since I got an IUD, I just never think about condoms. I probably should use them, I just never do. I don't even think about STDs. Like, STDs have never crossed your mind. That is some serious white privilege shit. Just not thinking anything's going to happen. Because it's not, you know, she's got some numbers on the board. Oh, uh, no, yeah. the worst is I've heard people be like, you can tell who has an STD. I'm like, oh, really? Because I have one. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, so you can't fucking tell. <laughs> what do you mean you can't tell? You're like, oh, you don't seem like a dirty person? Like, that's some judgmental shit. It's funny because I ended up telling my parents that I have herpes because I talk about it on this podcast and I knew I was going to talk about it in the special that's going to come out in the fall. I just didn't want to have my parents hear it not directly from me and have any opinions based on what some asshole on the internet says about me. And I told them and they were very supportive and I honestly thought my mom would be mad at me, but that'd be pretty gross if she was. Like, why do you need to get in there? What's going on? This doesn't affect you at all. Dad, I feel like it affects them because they just, they might worry about you a little more. Yeah. Or like if it doesn't work out with someone, they, they might secretly be sitting there like, should we ask her, was it the herpes? You know, like they wouldn't ask if it was the herpes they would just know it's the herpes but yeah after i told my parents i ended up talking to my friend about it and she was like yeah i bet your dad didn't care because he probably has herpes and i was like it's like a very odd thing to say about someone's dad yeah and, your dad fucks you know like sick i bet your mom got chlamydia four times like why would you say that to someone it's such a weird thing to say but i don't know maybe he did my dad did party but even if you don't party you still get herpes and that's what I really liked about the support group. It was a group of really different people. Yeah, that actually was the most diverse we had in like terms of like sexual orientation. But uh, yeah, it was lacking a handful of men. It was interesting. We actually had a, a gay man once who he was talking about how he was having more trouble getting people to sleep with them having herpes than his friends with HIV were having because the PrEP pill exists now and it gives people this sense of safety. And so it's like, okay, so if there was a pill that's like, I could just give it to the dude right before we have sex, like, oh, this will make sure you don't get it. Would it suddenly not be as big of a deal? You know, but I was, I was mind blown that people were more worried about herpes than HIV. That's insane. Right? Yeah. But it's almost like because in their community, HIV is so common that maybe now it's more normalized, I guess, in a way. Yeah, but you can live a healthy life with it and there's PrEP. Right. I mean, he, I think he, may, he mainly was saying the PrEP, but I was sitting there like, that's almost the opposite that got said to me when I first got it. I had people kind of being like, well, at least it's not something serious like HIV or AIDS where like your health could really be seriously affected. And then I heard from him and I was like, oh, turns out in his world, herpes is worse. <laughs> like, shit. Now I feel like every time I watch TV, the punchline of every joke is herpes. And I don't know if it's because now that I have it, I'm more aware of it or if herpes has just, it really has always been this punchline. The first time I ever heard about herpes was The Hangover, when he was like, do whatever you want in Vegas, murder someone, but don't get herpes. That shit comes back. I wonder if there's ever gonna be a time where we're gonna cancel comedians for making jokes about people with herpes, because obviously that's ridiculous, but the hurt little girl with herpes is like, yeah, let's cancel these bitches. If you don't have herpes, stop talking about it. Because well, it's kind of that thing of like, um, you know, we used to say that's so gay when I was growing up anyway. Uh, you know, uh, the F word for gay people was not like a thing in my generation. But the generation before me was like, oh, that word was said all the time. And then I remember growing up, it was like, oh, you can't say that's so gay anymore because you're calling people something that like someone in the room 
actually is right or it's just a negative term associated with the word and i feel like it might essentially end up being kind of the same thing with herpes of it's like yeah you don't know who in the room has it or not so you making those jokes is like at the expense of people currently there but it's also like currently there or not it's still at the expense a little bit but then i'm also like the comedian in me is like but if it's funny it's funny yeah i think that if it's a good enough joke but it's kind of like the punchline anal if there isn't a good story behind it you're just kind of hack like yeah an anal joke could be really funny but if it's just the punchline is anal or the punchline is herpes okay get over yourself unless you have a really good experience or you're talking about your life using herpes anal or your mom and dad as a punchline i don't respect you yeah i um well i was gonna say so since you've gotten it you haven't like been with anybody enough that you were like oh i gotta tell this person yet so you you haven't like disclosed anyone at all i actually did tell a guy because he really wanted to have sex and i was making excuses and then i finally told him but he didn't care at all he oh, didn't, hey, that's a great first experience. He didn't care on a level that concerned me. I was going to say, were you almost worried he was hiding something? Yeah, like, what the fuck do you have that you don't care that I have herpes? Like, do you have HIV? Because I cannot get HIV and herpes in the same month. Well, I was going to say, I've found with telling people, it's either they don't care at all, and it's usually this attitude of like, yeah, doesn't everybody have herpes? And then I'm almost like, are you confused what HPV is and what herpes is? Because technically herpes is HSV. So I'm almost like, I feel like if I told people that way, it was like, I have HSV1. They'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That HPV thing everybody has, you know? Um, but I either find like, either they just know a lot of people that have it or they're educated enough. They're like, yeah, everybody has herpes. It's not a big deal. Um, so kind of like that guy or, or they just were like, I know people that have it. So they're fine. And like, I'd be fine. Or also, like, I'm a straight white man. Nothing, you know, ruins my life. I'm immune to anything that goes wrong. Yeah, right. And then um, I feel like the second kind of reaction is someone that's educated about it a little bit, but kind of cautious. So, like, people I've told that they've had follow-up questions that were actually smart questions. Like, when was your last outbreak? How long have you had it? Have you ever given it to somebody? And I'm like, okay, they know something about it. And it's not a no out the gate, but it's like a let's slow the roll. And then the third is the people that truly don't know anything about it and are terrified of it. But I've never had anybody really get angry or like freak out. That'd be crazy if you did. Yeah. I mean, I did have one person that we started to have sex and I stopped it and I told him and he was a little jarred, but it was something that when we started hooking up, I was like, I don't want to have sex. He basically slid it in also no condoms. That was on him. And I kind of was like, whoa. I believe that's called rape. Yeah, technically, but it's also like I was on top of him. It was hot and heavy. It's not that I didn't want to. You know what I mean? It's one of those where you're like, I can't, but I was saying I can't because I'm like, I have to tell you something if we do. Oh, you're trying to be a girl. Like, I usually don't do this. Yeah. It was something that we were hanging out and I was like, I'm not in the mood to have the combo. So I was like, well, we could just like mess around a little bit. But it was, you know, it was kind of one of those I almost felt like it was like an even draw. I, like, because he was kind of like, what? and I was like, hey, man, first of all, I said no sex and you didn't listen to that. Also, no condom. What are you doing? You know, uh, but then he turned out to be someone kind of educated where he, he just asked me when was my last outbreak and when did I get it? And then he just was like, I've been with people that have it before. And so we still hooked up, but it was just, yeah, I guess technically that was like, I, yeah, I used to kind of, which, I mean, that was something that I was like, dude, herpes or not, I was never out here going raw with people. I don't know, like not exclusive with, not that I don't know. I know them, but you know what I mean? Yeah, honestly, I don't. I uh, usually don't know them. Um, like that's that's a hard rule I stick to. I like 
you know, some people are like, I don't have sex till this date. I'm like, I don't have sex without condoms unless it's like, yo, are we locked in of like, you're not hooking up with other people and I'm not hooking up with other people? Yeah. Like, to me, that brings up the like exclusive conversation. Honestly, next time I have sex, I'm just going to wrap my body like a Dexter victim. Like, I'm so scared of having sex because now I'm traumatized. It's like, you know, when you eat at a restaurant and then you throw up the food and you can't eat at the restaurant anymore? Yeah. That's what this feels like. Yeah, and it's also, when I first had it, I had someone that, I think three months after I stopped seeing the guy that gave it to me, like, asked me out, went on a date or two, I told him, he was cool about it, but I didn't have feelings for him, and I could tell he had feelings for me, and I was so scared to give it to him, mainly because I was like, this guy doesn't deserve to get it. Was like part of it. Like I was like, you're such a good person. You shouldn't have this thing, you know. But there. But the main thing is, anyone for that first like year, all I could think was like, I can't give it to this person. Like I was just so afraid to give it to somebody, whether I liked them or didn't, or they were cool about it, or you know, like it's it is it is a fear in you because it's so fresh in your memory of like going through the first outbreak, which is painful and sucks. And while it's happening, you're like, yeah, I don't wish this on anybody. You know? Yeah, I actually have a couple people I would wish that upon, but not. <laughs> I wouldn't actually give it to them because they won't text me back. The thing is, I have really bad eczema on my body, like in the cracks of my body. So since I'm not going to get flu-like symptoms every time, it can't be worse than eczema because my eczema really hurts. So it's just going to be another skin issue. Funny, that's an example I give when I'm telling people that just got it i'm like it's just a skin condition it's like eczema but it's not harmful to anybody except your self-esteem yeah it's harmful to your mental health <laughs> but i mean your physical health is fine <laughs> i think a lot of times for women the older you are the more likely you're probably to be like yeah at this point if they're nice to me and they're just not a piece of trash <laughs> and they're willing to commit yeah herpes who cares yeah my friends who love to pretend to be positive are like well now you can weed out the douchebags and i'm like yeah i don't think i'm gonna weed out the douchebags honestly because a lot of douchebags probably have herpes i feel like it's basically whoever's willing to sleep with us i guess is either like they like you or they just know enough about it that they know it's not a big deal but most likely it's either they like you and they say yes or they're not interested and they leave. To be fair, I do pick horrible dudes. Like right now I'm off the dating apps, but usually I tend to pick guys who point at the camera <laughs> or they wear like a captain's hat in all their photos, but they've never stepped on a boat. Shit like that needs to change. But it's no. even hard when you feel like even when you're not like on the apps actively like swiping and messaging or even like going up to people in bars, like the people that come after you that then also end up to be like the same kind of people. You're like, well, what am I doing to attract these people even when I'm not initiating? It's one thing when you really feel like you picked them. It's another when you're like, well, they keep picking me. So what is it about me that attracts this type of person? Yeah, my therapist says it's because I hate myself. So I guess I make myself an easy target, but I know what you mean. When a guy approaches me in a polo that's a little too tight, I'm like, what about me says I'd be into this? Mm. My one thing I've found is that I always had a lot of male friends in my life, and I would always hear them complain about certain things about women. But I would kind of take mental notes of like, oh, so don't do that thing. But then those would be the women that they still dated over someone like me. And I think it was a combo of like that and also the fact that like I felt this indirect pressure of like, oh, I'm going to be this mad, cool, chill girl. And that's like when you're most likely to attract like the fuckboy type or dudes that aren't trying to commit because they're like, oh, she's not putting any pressure on me to commit. No, and it's exactly. not that you don't have standards, but they almost are like, oh, I can kind of 
do whatever I want and she's still around. It's funny, my junior year of college, the president of my sorority during rush yelled at all of us. She's like, stop saying we're the chill house. No one wants a chill girl. All right, that's not who you bring home. I was like, wow, this bitch is crazy. But now looking back, I'm like, nah, that bitch was just right. Men love bitches. Guys don't want to date a chill girl. Guys want to fuck a chill girl. Yeah. Or and also, then, it's basically like, you're going to get your answer. And so, like, herpes is a way that you, we kind of get our answer faster. Yeah. Because it's like saying to somebody, it's even like just being vulnerable in a way, if, even if you're just like, hey, you know what? Like, I'm into you. And if we slept together, like, I wouldn't, I'd be really heartbroken if, like, I didn't hear from you again. Like, saying that out loud almost makes them have to be responsible in a way that they basically know, like, okay, I can't just hook up with this girl. Yeah. It's another thing of you don't say that, and the guy's just like, well, we could hook up and see. And then if he, like, basically doesn't see you anymore, he's, he could be like, well, you never said that that's what you were looking for. The last two guys I dated made comments, like, I feel like you don't like me. You don't act like you like me. And both times when they said it, I was like, hey, I'm winning. But then they quickly moved on to girls who clearly liked them, like just from my social media stalking. They were very affectionate and that's just not my personality. I'm not like a hugger, you know, I'm not gonna be like, oh, baby. Like I'd never call a guy baby or, or babe, babe. It's just annoying to me and it doesn't mean I don't like you. It just means that I'm really bad at showing affection. And I really think it's because in high school I was obsessed with this guy and everyone was like, be chill, act chill, don't be so crazy. So my mind has been trained to be like, act like you don't care, play it cool, play it cool, play it cool. But now that we're 28, because you're, how old are you, 28, 29? 29. Right, so I think we're both at an age where it's not cute anymore to be like whatever dude whatever dog what's up homie no it's cool to be vulnerable and guys are so insecure they need that person who supports them fully and clearly loves them because we're all insecure people but personally i think women have been trained to not act crazy so i just act like a fucking what up dog and that's not what guys want either they need to feel secure they need to feel wanted and I've underestimated that. Mm -hmm. Or it's very hard. You feel like it's very hard to maintain a standard in a nice way. Yeah. Because a lot of times you're like, I just want to say directly what I want to say, which is like a dude hitting up last minute. You don't want to just be like, hey, if you want to go out with me, plan ahead of time. Like, I'm not going to go out with you last minute. Right. Something like that. Whereas like the best way to do it is just basically to just say no. Like, oh, I'm busy. Like maybe another time. And it's like, essentially they'll get the hint. They'll figure it out because it's true of like, we've all had people interested in us that we truly were not interested in and you're kind of given vague or dodgy things and you keep just basically saying no but they keep showing up it's the yeah. same with people that do vague ask outs where they're like we should hang out sometime I'm like what what is that what's the plan like because when a guy really likes you he'll be like i want to take you out or he'll be like let's get drink like there's more of a actual plan like if someone's like we should hang out i'll say as friends or as a date and a lot of times people shit their pants and i'm like well, you're asking me with some type of intention. I don't know what it is. And then I just make the joke of that's two different outfits. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. But for me, I'm usually not confused. Like if a guy asks me to hang out, I don't think it's a date, but I will assume they're trying to fuck or make some sort of move. They'll just casually toss a finger in there. Well, yeah, it, usually it means I want to hook up with you, but I don't want to put in the effort to actually date you to get there. They yeah. want to keep it in the casual lane. And, but that's the thing of like being young. You're like, I don't know. We'll see. And it's like kind of exciting. But now I'm like, no, absolutely not. No, I'm like, I want to someone that knows what they want. Or I'm just like, yeah, I'm over this hookup thing. I've been in a couple of relationships with friends that 
we were friends and then they pursued it and the friendship was ruined. So that's almost why I prefer dating apps because you know going into it this is a date whereas with a friend in a relationship that develops it's like is this a date am i just lonely tonight did i just get broken up with whereas if you go on bumble yeah all those things are also probably true but at least you know it's a fucking date and that they're gonna pick up the tab sometimes not all the time but they're not your friend there's no confusion there well it's really sad to say but i feel like literally going on a date I rarely go on dates unless they are through apps. Yeah, It's me rare too. to have people that are very direct or very actually ask you out and not just trying to do this vague, casual land. Are you dating right now? Um, I was on the apps from like the beginning of the pandemic to literally to like the beginning of this month. So I, I really tried them for like four or five months and I basically just got burnt out. I got burnt out of like trying to talk to people and then in addition to that like you go on a handful of dates that are just like kind of dud of a date like it's not like the person's bad but you're like I have no desire to see this person again that it just makes you feel like I just I'm tired there's nothing like a bad date that makes you be like I'm good for a while actually I could take a break from this yeah there's nothing like getting home from a bad date taking off your pants and watching a tv show that even if the show is terrible, it's still better than your fucking date. And you're like, I'm alone, I'm free, I'm a fucking independent bitch. Because that guy was suffocating for the two hours he bought your meal. I found a lot of people have success with like doing like a phone call before they meet up. Um, it's almost like a date before the date, before they like agree to actually go on a date. Cause they're like, yeah, it's like a lot quicker to get to know them a little bit and like feel a vibe in some way. Um, but what I've found is like, a lot of guys don't want to do that. And then I'm like, well, are those just the fuck boys that are like, I'm only willing to put an effort if there's like a chance I get laid, like in person, you know? Yeah, I've done one phone call and it didn't go well at all. The guy wanted to be a writer, but he was in law school and he was asking me very rude questions. He's like, how much money do you make? I was like, Jesus Christ. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's always a question people want to know. They're like, how much money do you make? I'm like, I feel like you're not allowed to ask anybody that out the gate. <laughs> this is a weird question. Yeah, sometimes I'll hit the real estate market, you know, see how much their apartment is worth, see if they have roommates, see if they buy, see if they rent. But I'm not crazy, like I would never ask them. I did one time take a video of a guy's apartment because it was so nice. I was like, no one will believe that I was here. I've snuck a photo before too. Yeah. I was going to say, now that you're off the apps, do you feel like you're like throwing more flirty vibes into the world? Like, do you feel like now all your sexual energy is out in the world? I would say I feel no sexual energy, but then last night at the airport, there were these three really hot dudes, and I was trying to figure out where the hell they were flying, if I could go with them. I felt very like, should I just go up to them and like give one my number? So I did feel that, but since we've been in quarantine, I haven't really seen anyone, so I haven't felt this pent up energy to hit on dudes, but I guess based on last night's performance at the airport, yeah. I'm definitely more likely to like shoot shots when I'm not on a dating app. I'll feel pressure when, when you are actually out and you see someone that like kind of catches your eye. You gotta do something, you gotta say something. Like, it's not like in an app where like, they like sit in your messages where you're like, well, I could message them later. I, I mean, I've just, I've been shooting way more shots now that I'm off the app and I'm like, now I'm almost like, you should get back on the app to like tame yourself a little bit. <laughs> I'll delete the apps for a week and then I'll be like, fuck, how am I supposed to meet someone? I'm fully dying alone without it. That's, I fully deleted my profile this time. You want to get back on, Erica, you have to, like, do the work again to almost make it harder of, like, when I get back on, like, okay, you're really going to focus again. Oh, I always have to recreate my profile. To me, that's the funnest part. Oh, okay. That's a good move. The worst part is when guys are like, oh, back again, huh? Because you see the same guys. And I'm like, yeah, bitch, 
We're all fucking here, you know? Let's not call out the bottom feeders. Yeah, right? I saw my ex on uh, Hinge. That was right before I decided to delete it. And I was like, man, you know, they have, these phones have all our information. You like give them your information just to make the profile. And I'm like, why are you showing me someone that you should be able to tell I have like photos with? Maybe it's trying to reconnect you. No. Had he not been your ex, if you had just saw him randomly and viewed his profile, would you have swiped right? I would because he's, he is very good looking. Yeah, I probably oh, would. I yeah, like- his profile didn't have a lot of writing on it. But my podcast did an episode about like hinge tips. We had someone that used to work at hinge give like literal facts, like black and white photos, get more likes and stuff like that. And he clearly used all the information from that episode. So I was more looking at his profile like, oh, you little bitch. Like, I knew when I saw these photos on Instagram, they were for this. Yeah, like, welcome to the OC, bitch. I made you. Yeah, like, I was like, oh, okay, so you're, t- so you're taking the tips here. Yeah, but too much writing had got to make you feel good. Because a guy who writes too much, it's like, what are you doing, buddy? You're either a murderer or you take yourself very seriously. And either way, I don't want to be about it. That's the hard balance of apps. You, you're like, I want to have be fun and have personality and maybe yeah not give the vibe like on dtf at the same time i feel the same way of like some dude will have very long thing of like what are you looking for like there's certain questions when people answer you're like this is too much or it weirdly feels desperate even though it's like well we're both on the app yeah it's always a red flag when a guy in his profile writes what i'm looking for is genuine honesty and good conversation it's like yeah this is just never gonna work or a guy (laughs) who says he's fluent in sarcasm uh no or office quotes that's their whole personality ew yeah and honestly even if they use the prompt i quote too much of i'm like this is not gonna work because i'm gonna make fun of you too much and you're gonna resent me this is never gonna work yeah and it's also i feel like a fuckboy red flag is when they give like one word answers that's like zero effort yeah that is very true and a lot of guys don't even answer the questions at all I know, Hinge makes you answer three, which I think is like actually good to kind of be like, you got to give them something they can message you about. It's the app that's meant to be deleted. But honestly, I've been feeling weird about all the apps because the guy I met who gave me herpes, I did meet him on Tinder. So my friend was like, uh, you were asking for it by being on Tinder. But I also have a friend who got herpes from Hinge. So... I mean, I got herpes from real life people I met that I like, like kind of knew a little bit before we started kind of dating that's i mean that's the other thing i look at like anyone i actually like even had like a three-month fling with and i've never had something from online turn to anything but i was like how hard did i really like try being online i feel like i always did the cycle of like i'd go on maybe four or five dates and i would just be like it's a wrap online sucks and i would quit because people i know that it works for they're like when you make fun of them like oh you just found someone online they're like no i worked for that I was going on dates like a mad woman, like booking back-to-back dates. And they're like, I finally found a decent guy. I was like, oh my God, that sounds exhausting. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it both ways too. But I've had friends that just download it and the first person they meet, they fall in love and they move in together. And in my head, I'm like, they were so desperate for a boyfriend. They would have moved in with whoever they went out with. But maybe that's me being bitter. Yeah, I mean, everyone always talks about these people that are, like, uh, codependent, right? Like, like men always talk about, like, oh, I'm so codependent. Like, they're always in a relationship. And I'm like, I don't feel like I've ever run into one of you. I'm like, where are you? I don't see you anywhere. <laughs> oh, totally. I'm like, need me. I'm available. I've talked about this with my therapist that, to your point earlier about trying to act a certain way because you hear guys complain, I do that too. There's this song by Drama, and the lead singer goes... I'm not the girl of your dreams, I'm just the girl that you need, and that's exactly how I feel all the time. 
Also, I don't think being a comic really helps me. Like, I feel like guys look at female comedians like porn stars. <laughs> like it ruins you for people wanting to date you? Kind of. You yeah, know? a little bit. But I think they're just always worried you're going to talk about them in your comedy, even though exactly. you're like, no. <laughs> it's like, I used to have that I was a comedian, and I took it off. I hated the questions I would get, and I would hate how half the guys would be like, oh, is this going to be in your skit? And I was like, no. I hate and I also was like, you don't even, I could, I could not even talk about dating at all. For five years, I really didn't talk about dating at all. I was like super clean. Like, and cause I was trying to be like, every other girl is talking about dating. Let me like try to be different in the comedy scene, you know? And, yeah. uh, and also I wasn't doing a lot of dating. So I was like, I don't have bits, <laughs> but it's like, it's kind of an ego thing where they're like, you're going to talk about me, aren't you? And I'm like, I, we have talked for two seconds. Sometimes I would just go, why would I talk about you? You're not funny. <laughs> Any guy who was like, oh, are you going to put me in your skit? They're the least funny person in the world. And it's also like, no, dude, we've met for two hours. You think you've impacted my life so much that I'm going to talk about you for the next six years until I get my fucking Conan set? Yeah, right, bitch. Maybe I should say, like, no, uh, I don't talk about guys before they're my boyfriend because anytime I have, they disappear. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you tell your friends about someone you're like oh i'd like to start seeing this guy and then you're like now he doesn't answer my text it's like the universe fucking knew that i i let the cat out of the bag and that's always when i feel like people leave in my opinion in my life unfortunately i think that's so common my friend the other day i was asking about this guy she's been on like eight dates with she was like hannah aren't you tired of hearing about these guys that you're never gonna meet aren't you done hearing about random facts about random dudes that's never gonna affect your life and in my head i'm like no absolutely not i love hearing about new dudes but i get what she's saying these guys are so insignificant yet they take up so much of our time and it's like when are we just gonna let go they're all just such fucking assholes or just not into me hard to tell that's ultimately the thing everyone says why right? you'll be if, if they like you you won't be confused about it yeah i think sex in the city just fucked me up because carrie held out for big and then it worked out but yeah no carrie's a horrible example nobody should live their life like carrie yes but big is also an issue here because carrie waited for big for 10 years it was her big love so now us millennials Grew up with Sex in the City. We'll wait 10 years to get a text back because we're like, that's our big love. This is meant to be, blah, 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 blah. But in reality, that guy was just an asshole and we all need to learn to move on. I mean, but it's also like, of course, the character needs to be flawed or there's no show, you know? But then it's like Charlotte, the character on the show, right? She's almost the type that you're like, you're willing to do anything to get a husband and I don't like that type either. And then there's Samantha who only fucks. And I don't know if I like that type either. I just don't know if I believe it that women can fuck like that. And there's Miranda. Well, the Samantha thing is unrealistic because how many people do you randomly hook up with that are actually good? Literally none. Like, it is so rare to have a spur of the moment hook up with someone and it's actually good and they get you off. So, like, just on an investment standpoint, it's not worth it to me to live that life. And Samantha didn't even get herpes. That bitch should have gotten herpes. How yeah, she's not even the one that gets chlamydia. Miranda gets chlamydia. It's like the loser one. Well, that's actually good they did that because they're breaking the stigma. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Oh, it made me not want to move to New York because I basically was like, here's all these very successful women. They have no problem yeah. getting dates, but like, basically none of them yeah. seem to end up happy or married or in like a committed relationship. Like the movies came out later, but if you just watch the season, it's like only Miranda ends up married. That I kind of was like, oh, it seems like New York City, that doesn't happen for people. And turns out now I'm here for seven years, and that's very much true. <laughs> so 
majority of women. Uh, if it happens for you, it definitely isn't going to happen in your 20s. Yeah, but compared to LA, it's so much better. LA is such trash. I've never tried to date in LA, but... At least in New York, they have money. In LA, everyone's an actor or a performer, and I know it's very hypocritical of me to say, but I don't want to be going out with someone who's doing what I'm doing. Also, why am I going Dutch on dinner with a guy who wears bracelets? Like, they're not masculine enough. And also, I agree with you if, like, I'm in entertainment and I would more ideally like someone that's not in entertainment. Yeah, we don't need two people in this relationship. Struggling? Yeah, struggling. I was going to say trying, but struggling is more accurate. Is your ex-boyfriend a comedian? He, like, used to do comedy. So that's originally how I met him, and then he stopped doing comedy, and then he started, like, producing a show. And he knew I ran some shows, so he hit me up, actually, like, with some producing questions. And that's how we just kind of started talking. And then he asked me out. But it was something, like, when I first met him, I, like, was into him. Like, I had a crush on him. So it was one of those that it was, like, reappeared, like, two years later. And I was like, huh. Okay. How long did you stay for? Like, four months. It basically hit the point of, like, because he's 30, I'm 29. And it kind of was this thing of we were, like, this isn't going to go long term. Like, whether that means two years or, like, definitely not marriage. But it's, like, once that gets said out loud, you're, like, I can't stay now like now that we both know we're just fully wasting time and then of course it was like two months before the pandemic and it's like damn maybe that would have been nice to just kind of ride out through quarantine a little bit just to have someone to hook up with yeah but once you put an expiration date on something you're just waiting for it to spoil there's no reason to just hang around it's almost too sad because then maybe you start liking them more but then you know it's going nowhere because obviously you don't want to go into a relationship like this is the person i have to marry i have to marry this person in order to date them but at the same time, it's like, you don't want to just be dicking around if you don't really like them because you're just wasting time and you're not going to meet the person that you really like because you're wasting your time with this bozo. Well, so I was going to say, like, how long do you feel like it would take you to really know, like, oh, I could marry this person, their marriage material? I feel like a couple months. I feel like that. I don't think it really takes much longer than that to, like, have that feeling. I haven't had that feeling, so I don't know. I mean, neither have I. The longest relationship I had was my boyfriend in college, and... I knew we weren't going to get married, but I wanted to trick my mind into thinking that we could. Because he was marriage material, he was so sweet, and he's so great, he's such a great guy, but you can't force yourself to feel a certain way. And that's a shitty feeling, too, when you want to love someone, but you can't. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, yeah, that's the epitome of everything. Like, I have friends that I'm like, you only like whoever likes you. Like, they just like yeah. to be liked. And a lot of times I envy because they will actually be in more long-term things. And we'll have guys that treat them better than the guys I have treating me. But it's something that I'm like, I've even tried with those scenarios where I'm like, okay, I'll go on a second date or a third date. But I'm like, I can't waste someone's time when I'm like, okay, it's been two dates, three dates, and I'm still not like feeling this too. Then I just feel like an asshole. Like I'm now you're just leading somebody on. Yeah, I went on three dates with a dude that I was not into, but I felt bad because he was nice and he was short. And I was like, how do I get out of this so I had sex with him because I knew we'd never speak again if I did that and um yeah I had sex with him and we never spoke again but the longest relationship I've had since college is two months and that's pretty bad two months in like six years that's bad yeah I haven't that was really the longest thing I had even since college college was the same thing some guy I was like seeing for three months and then it ended and they both kind of ended it for the same reason too. It was like, oh, is this going to like girlfriend, boyfriend level? Like, 
what's the future? And it was like, no future. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we're done. Which everyone's always like, better to get out then. And it's like, yeah, but it still kind of sucks. Like, you're still sad because you cared about the person. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like it's a, my recent one was kind of one of those, like, man, I've known people to date for like a year and then suddenly like marriage and kids come up and one person's like, oh no, I don't want kids. And the other person's like, what? And yeah. that's something that's like, it, it, they have to break up and they're both heartbroken. And I'm like, how did that not come up in a year? Like one time, something about a child. Yeah, but I do think people can change their mind. Like they're like, I do not want children. And then they hit 32 and they're like, actually, maybe I want a kid. I feel like it only changes if they meet a person that they're like, I would have kids with this person. So I feel like if you're still saying to me, you don't want them. And if I want them, I'm like, okay, well, I mean, that's one thing I do stand by of like, I guess it kind of isn't cool girl category is like, I will never push a guy to do something because I'm like, I feel like that never works out. Whether it's getting married, having a kid, even like to be my boyfriend, like it's always, it's almost like (laughs) you kind of have to treat men like children a little bit where you have to make it their decision. But basically, you have to be willing to walk away when it isn't what you want. And that's not being manipulated by any means. It's just kind of like, where's this going? But basically, like, the boyfriend-girlfriend thing came up with my uh, guy, and he basically, like, didn't want to have to do any boyfriend activities, like, come to, like, a family thing with me. And I was like, that is, like, the most basic of a boyfriend activity. And I'm like, I don't see it as a big deal. You do. And then essentially, he just said, like, I don't see us going past what we are at this point, emotionally or long term. And I was like, okay, well... Yeah, but it's like, once I get said out loud, it's like, well, I'm not, what am I going to do? We can't just, like, sit here and play house now. Yeah, but that just shows also what kind of person he is if he can't make a little bit of effort and try. Yeah, it's something, like, he had an ex before me. But it was always funny to me, too, when he would call someone an ex that I wanted to be like, did you ever call your girlfriend? Like, am I going to be an ex, but I never got called a girlfriend? Like, that's kind of weird. Uh, but he had someone he dated for six months. She never met his family, and his family lives, like, near New York. So it's not like it's hard to. And he's close with them. So that's that part's, like... Okay. She never meant them. But I was sitting there the whole time being like, oh, that girl probably also wasn't your girlfriend. And I'm like, six months? I'm like, dude, like three months was kind of my like, okay, if you don't know by now, it's a no. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I kind of, when I like found that information out, I was like, yeah, this doesn't feel like it's going to work out. (laughs) Or I was like, I'm not saying until six months is like, what are we? Yeah. My friends started dating a guy or they were never really dating. You know, it's the same thing. It was like, are we dating? It was just like, they weren't officially together. And they worked together. And then he ended things with my friend and started dating a new girl and got her hired at their company. And then at work, it came up like, oh, how long have you guys been dating? And the girl said a year, which was a six-month time difference than the guy had because he was dating my friend for a part of those six months. And my friend called him out, and he was like, well, I wasn't officially dating her. And my friend didn't say anything to the girl because they worked together, but... It was one of those things where it's like, you were off by six months, dude. Like, that's fucked. Mm. No, that's a scenario that I would I would tell her. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, I don't know if you know, but he was dating other people. One of them was me, and we ended at this time. I would be like, if you want to know. Because most likely, that sounds like a girl that just wanted a boyfriend and was going to stick around no matter what. So, but I don't know. It's weird when you work together. I'm, I thought you were going to say the example, because this happens to everybody all the time, where you date someone, they don't commit to you, it's however long a time. Then the person they did after you, they're like posting pictures on Instagram together, like very quickly calling them the girl. Like they're doing all these things that you're like, why are they doing that so quickly with them? And it's just like, cause they really liked them. They never really liked you. Yeah, that hurts to hear because it's true. Yeah, yeah, it hurts way more when it's like immediate, but it happens all the time. You're like, he committed to that girl. And it's like, yeah, cause he was just being a fuck boy with you. I like to think I warmed him up, you know, pitched him some softballs. 
I'm the warm-up act for these fucking bitches who get to ride off into the sunset as I wait in the dirt. Like, yeah, you train them. <laughs> or some guys never change. They will never post. Like, I know someone that I dated for a bit that got married after me and has never posted anything of his wife. Like, what? him and his wife, like, calling him, calling her his wife, no, like, happy birthday post, nothing. And it's like, as much as we're like, does that stuff really matter? It's like, it matters on a basic level that I'm like, I look at your Instagram and it looks like you're still single. But I just sat there going, that's not the kind of guy I want to be with. I want to be with someone that will be like, yeah, happy birthday to my wife. Love her so much. Thanks for everything you do. Like, something. What even is his Instagram? Fucking anime and what he eats? A lot of pictures of himself, so I guess it's just very narcissistic. Oh. <laughs> uh, I wonder if that's an issue in their relationship. I mean, she married him, so I guess she doesn't give that big of a fuck, but I don't know if you told me this story, but I heard a similar story where a guy married a woman and then posted pictures on his honeymoon without her. He just posted pictures from That's him. That was me. That was that's the same guy. That's the same guy. That's the same person. That's insane. It's insane to me. But I, the whole time I just sat there like, even if I stayed with him longer, say two years, I know what two years I would be said, you know? Like, men have pride in claiming their women, so, like, if you haven't claimed me, like, that hurts me, you know? But I do feel like a lot of women put up with shit so that they can stay in a relationship, like, they'll let go of things because they would rather be in a relationship than not, but I'm not that type of person. I'm very blunt, and I say what's on my mind, and if I have a problem with you, I'll let you know. And that's a lot for guys because it's like, shit, who wants to get in trouble? You know, no one wants to fuck their mom. But, uh, but we're not the type you're going to sit there being like, post this picture. Like, post this picture of us. We uh, look good. Like, I'm not going to do that. But I'll sit there and notice, like, oh, you're hiding me. And I'll just kind of be like, yeah, why do you feel weird about, like, uh, my ex had, like, his hand was in an Instagram story I posted. And it was like, I don't know, I think we were dating two months at the time. And he said something to me of like, oh, I don't really like, and I was like, I didn't tag you in it. And it wasn't even about you. Your hand just happened to be in the picture. But I was sitting there being like, fucking relax. But then my brain was kind of like, oh yeah, you will never post uh, together. Not even that you're like hanging out with me. Especially because when you date someone, you're supposed to feel good. So I've heard. And also, what does he think you're going to do? Graduate from the hand to an arm to a full torso to the head? It's just like one body part at a time. You're making this relationship public. Because I also was like, I'm not going to post you till like, you're my boyfriend. So I was like, I wasn't even trying to post you. It was like, I looked back at that when we were breaking up, like, that was a clear sign. <laughs> that was a bad sign. I feel I was like, like, oh, you should have left then. Yeah, but then you hold on to hope. Like, ah, it's only been two months. Maybe he's going to change. His parents just got divorced. Guys love to bring that up. It's like, you don't understand. My parents got divorced at seven. It's like, cool, dude. You got to move on. Sorry. I know that's insensitive, but because your parents got divorced at a young age doesn't mean you can come on my back and just leave. Exactly. So you want a long-term relationship. You, I you would, yeah, like to meet someone that I fall in love with. I've never been in love. So I'm like, something, yeah. I mean, I feel like who does, I mean, who doesn't want a good relationship? I feel like every time yes. someone's like, I don't want a relationship right now, it's like, yeah, because you just got out of a bad one and your last experience was bad. Not gonna lie. We've all been there where you're like, I just, I would, you know, hook up with anything that moves right now and it would like get the job done type of thing. Like there's a level of horniness. But I feel like I don't have that horniness in me right now, which makes me lean more towards like, yeah, I only really want to be physical with someone that's like, oh, no, I'm into you. Like, yeah. once you have like intimate sex, a lot of times it kind of ruins casual sex, you know? Totally. Because if it's a weird situation, it's just two strangers naked on top of each other. All you have is smells. So you kind of just have to close your eyes and nose until it's over. <laughs> well, this has been a really fun. All right. Well, this has been cynical and I loved it. Uh, but to wrap it up, 
Do you have one thing that you never want your mom to know? Uh, she listens to my podcast, so I'm like, she uh, already knows too much. I guess that one of the only secrets she doesn't know of my life would be there was one time that she we basically accidentally gave her a weed brownie, but it was like we made it. So it was like a first time like making them that we like, I actually didn't even eat one. So she like came down in our basement and we were making them and she was just like, all these, this is my mom. She's like, all these brownies smell so good. And we were like, "Uh yeah. And I tried to do the like diet thing where I was like, ma, it's like, like, you don't really need one. And she was just like, I'll just have a little piece. And it was like me and some friends and we all were just like frozen as we watched her eat one. Just like, uh, like you're, no one's going to interrupt. Like there's weed in there. (laughs) But the thing is like, I feel like anytime I've made a batch of brownies with people, it was like some people got high, some people didn't. Like, you know, especially when you're like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, yeah. So to this day, you don't know if she got high? I don't think she did, but also it's like she just immediately went to bed that I'm like, well, maybe she just had like some weird dreams, you know? She just woke up groggy in the morning like, damn, that's Chardonnay. Or she smokes a lot of weed and was already high. And that's something you don't know about her. No, she doesn't. I know that. I, I think she has smoked like once or twice in her life like when she was like in college but uh she she's not like a weed smoker now because she found a pen I had like a, two summers ago and she like flipped out but she flipped out she thought I was smoking like uh jewel stuff you're like no mom it's fine it's just ganja like I was like would you feel better if it was weed she was like you shouldn't be smoking anything it was a weird like we talked about it but didn't talk about it because she was just like you need to quit this before your father finds out and I was like okay that's funny my mom hates weed too my dad buys me edibles. He'll go into D.C. and pick some up for himself, and then he'll pick some up for me. And then my mom was going through my shit. She was just looking at my bag, and she was like, why do you have these weed gummies? Are they from your father? And then she yelled at my dad, and then my dad yelled at me. and was like, I'm not going to buy you weed anymore if you get me in trouble with your mom. And I was like, this is the weirdest fucked up triangle of anger, and I don't, this is the weirdest dynamic. That's so funny. She's just, like, mad at both of you. Yeah, but, uh... Anyway, uh, yeah, thank you so much for doing this. This, this is oh, fun. yeah, thank you for having me. Do you want to plug your stuff? Instagram, I'm at Sperica, S-P-E-R-I-C-A-A, and then my podcast is called She Just Got to Shoot Pod, and I talk about dating with herpes is kind of my half. It's just a general dating podcast, and we are going to have Hannah come on, so yeah. definitely be on the lookout for that. Thank you, dude. All right, see ya. I'll talk to you later.